I'm glad to be here. Um, I'm so glad Tim gave me a, a, a separate stand. Um, I got a new Bible recently, and uh, I love to show it off because it's called the Giant Print Bible. And look how big the words are. Uh, it's the first time I use it um, speaking. So um, anyway, once you turn, once you t- you're over 40, something's happened to you and not necessarily good. Um, so you have to buy Bibles like this one. But anyway, so this is perfect. Uh, but it's, it's really a, a wonderful thing to be in your midst. And uh, so uh, I was wondering if we could first turn to a few portions of the scriptures Turn again to the theme uh, verses, Ephesians chapter 3. Verse 18. Oh, sorry. Starting from verse 16. That He would grant you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ which surpasses His knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. And then if you will turn with me to John chapter 10, And verse 10. And we're just going to read the second part of that verse. John 10, verse 10. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And then finally, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And verse 7, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not from ourselves. Maybe we can uh, turn to the Lord for another word of prayer. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to gather before you, Lord, to be seated at your feet. Lord, we ask for your grace this morning. It is a wonderful privilege for us to be able to hear you speak to us. So Lord, we pray that you may help us, young or old, that we may be able to pay attention, not to the speaker, Lord, but pay attention to you speak to us. Lord, you have something in your heart that you so want to tell us. Lord, we pray that we may not be a hindrance. So we remove any distractions about thinking about things at home or or our friends, or other things. Lord, help us, Lord, to be able to be attentive. Lord, because this is a wonderful opportunity You've given to us. So, Lord, we pray, open up Your Word. Speak to us the living Word. To each one of us, young or old, we commit this time into Your hand, that Your Holy Spirit may lead our time and do the work of interpretation. We pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. 
Now, we all know that this weekend we're considering this very, very big topic. And as you could hear from our two brothers, Brother Lucio, uh, about the Lord's desire that, that we be filled with Him and that we are like those empty pots that need to be filled. And then last night, our brother Dana gave us a picture of the largeness of Christ. Um, and even before he went to uh, talk about the largeness of Christ, he, uh, he, uh, um, uh, before he kind of went into the book of Ephesians, he kind of started talking about um, how the four Gospels painted different aspects of the Lord Jesus. So, um, I was, um, as I was meditating, I thought it would be good to kind of go a little bit further about what our brother was talking about. So, you know, the first thing he said, well, the Gospel of Mark started with the Lord's ministry, right? So, Gospel of Mark basically started with 2,000 years ago, right? So we know the Lord came into this world and that was 2,000 years ago. And then Dana says, well, Matthew then said, no, 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 wait a minute. We got to take the, the zoom and go back a little bit. And Matthew basically said, because the Lord Jesus is king, he's a son of Abraham and the son of David. And uh, you know who the son of Abraham was? Isaac, right? Who was the son of David? Solomon. So from those people, we can understand a little bit about what type of a king our Lord Jesus was. What happened to Isaac? Abraham was willing to offer him up on on the altar, right? And then who was the son son of David? Solomon. He was the one who built the, the house of God. So now we know that our Lord Jesus, what type of king was he? He was the one that was willing to go to the cross and he was the one full of wisdom and was going to build his house, the church. Well, anyway, I digress. So um, uh, my my niece and nephew, Noah and Hannah, reminded me, please don't digress. Okay, so I will not digress. So, but the point is, Matthew takes us back to the time of Abraham. Now, uh, Bible scholars put Abraham at around 2000 BC. So now you're talking about not 2000 years ago, but about 4000 years ago. And then when you come and you come to the Gospel of Luke, it's like, wait a minute, the Holy Spirit takes the, the, the zoom lens and he takes us even further back to Adam. Now, Bible scholars, depending on whether you, depending on how you assess things, but it's probably now taking us six to 10,000 years ago, okay? This is back to Adam. But then, John takes us back to what? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. Now, in Romans chapter 1, verse 20, it talks about the fact that God uses His creation to allow us to understand His invisible attributes, His eternal power, as well as His divine nature. So, in the 20th and 21st century, the Lord allows scientists to explain to us and gives us a little bit of better of understanding of who God is. And because of this, we have a better understanding of the, the long, the, the time, the, a little bit of a concept of eternity and a little bit of the concept of the largeness of the universe and the largeness of Christ. So anyway, so where does John take us? John says, in the beginning was the word. Now, according to scientists, they believe that uh, based on calculation that the universe is 13.8 billion years old. Okay? So now, you went from six to 10,000 years 
in the Gospel of Luke, but John takes us back to 13.8 billion years. So, brothers and sisters, that gives us a little bit of a picture. $13.8 billion. Almost hard to imagine what that means. So then, we go back to Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So, if the universe was created 13.8 billion years ago, the heavens and the earth. Now, scientists believe that the earth is 4.5 billion years old. Okay? So, now, the, the, the Holy Spirit, through the new discoveries in, in, from scientists, give us a little bit of understanding of the, this a little bit of a concept of what is eternity. Well, 13.8 billion, that's when there was time. Of course, eternity is much longer than that. So, okay, so this is time, right? So now we take us back to the, gospel, the book of Genesis, giving us a little bit of understanding. But not only that. So now, uh, our, da- our brother Dana t- spoke a little bit about the largeness of Christ. And, you know, in Colossians, it says that everything came into being through him, right? So he created the universe that we know about. So just to give us a little bit of an understanding the, about the largeness of the universe. So the longest flight um, that is in existence today. Does anyone know what the longest flight is today? What? Australia? Singapore. Singapore from where? From Newark. It's a United Airlines flight. They, they kind of had stopped it, but they're going to start it again uh, because... Uh, all right, I'm going to uh, forget. It. I'm not going to digress. All right. So anyway, the longest flight is 18 hours and 45 minutes. And that's from Newark to Singapore. 9,520 miles. Now, uh, you know, you take, you take the flight 18 hours. That's a long flight, especially if you have little kids. Uh, anyway, I, I don't want to digress either. But anyway, so 18 hours and 45 minutes, 9,520 miles. Well, that, you know what? That's kind of far, right? And you think, wow, Earth is pretty big. But if you think about it, the, our sun, do you know how far the sun is from us? 93 million miles, okay? Not only is it 93 million miles, and we thought the Earth was big, if you were to put Earth into the sun, you know how many there would be? 1.3 million Earths fit into the sun, okay? So you're saying, well... Okay, how far would it take from us to go from the earth to the sun? Now, uh, if you were able to travel at the speed of light. Now, the speed of light basically is the, the speed at which the light reaches our eyes, right? So, it actually can travel seven and a half times around the earth in a second. Okay, that's how fast the speed of light is. If you were to take a space shuttle and travel at the speed of light and you were to go from earth to the sun... It would take us eight minutes to get there. Eight minutes, okay? So, you know the sunlight that you see uh, today, like you see how it's, it's bright outside? That light was from eight minutes ago. So, it's already old, right? So, anyway, eight minutes. Okay, so you think, wow, that's, that's pretty impressive. But did you know that if you were to take that space, space, same space shuttle... And you wanted to go from one end of the solar system to the other end of the solar system. You know how long it would take you? It would take you 10 hours. Okay? So that's how big our solar system is. But, you know, our solar system is actually in a galaxy. Do you know what the galaxy is called? 
Milky Way. Very good. Do you know how big the Milky Way is? If you were to take the same space shuttle, go from one end of the Milky Way to the other end of the Milky Way, is 100,000 light years. Meaning, it will take you 100,000 years to travel on that space shuttle from one end of the Milky Way to the other end of the Milky Way. Okay? Now, then, do you know how many galaxies scientists think there are in the universe? Anywhere from 200 billion to 2 trillion galaxies. Okay? Alright? Now, if you were to take the Milky Way, now, the Milky Way is 100,000 light years big. And if you were to compare it to the size of the continental U.S., Sorry, Canadians. I'm just talking about Canada, U.S. now. If you were to say, take the Milky Way and say, if it were the size of continental U.S., do you know how large the solar system would be? The size of the solar system would be the size of a quarter. Okay? That's how big the Milky Way is. Do you know how big Earth would be? Now, uh, if you think, maybe a grain of sand... Well, that's not small enough. A grain of sand can have probably about 100,000 microorganisms on there. Okay? If you took one of them, and one of them was a virus, and divided it in half, that would be the size of the Earth on that quarter, which is the size of the solar system, which the Milky Way is representative of the continental U.S. Okay? But brothers and sisters... This is just the Milky Way, and there are 200 billion to 2 trillion of galaxies in the universe. Do you know how big scientists uh, think that the universe is? It's 93 billion light years. Okay? So it take you 93 billion years to travel at the speed of light to go from one end of the universe to the other end of the universe. So now... Um, it gives you a little bit of a perspective of the largeness of the universe. But brothers and sisters, our Lord Jesus created this universe. You can imagine, He's much bigger. But, okay, so you take this universe, and um, would anybody venture to guess, now, the sun is a star, right? Would anybody venture to guess how many stars there are in the universe? A trillion? A trillion, trillion. Uh, not quite. Not quite. Um, one to two billion trillions. So basically, it's one and you add, you know, trillions, nine zeros, right? I'm oh, sorry, billions, nine zeros, and trillions, twelve zeros. You add 21 zeros. It's one to two of those of the number of stars in the universe. But I want to read one verse, which hopefully should help us. Isaiah chapter 40. And verse 26. Isaiah 40, 26. Lift up your eyes on high and see who has created these stars. The one who leads forth their host by number, he calls them all by name. Because of the greatness of his might and the strength of his power, not one of them is missing. Brothers and sisters, to us, it's an estimate of what the scientists think 
To us, it's just some really large number. But did you read this verse? For our Lord, He was the one who created these stars, but He leads them forth by number. So the Lord Jesus knows exactly how many stars there are out there. But even more impressive, He calls them all by name. He's named each one of those stars. And because of the greatness of His power, not one of them is missing. So brothers and sisters, isn't this wonderful to teach us a little bit about the largeness of Christ, the greatness of our God. But brothers and sisters, if you think about this, this whole, all these numbers that I just gave you is really just about Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Did you ever think about this? That is essentially all the numbers I quoted you. It took up half of the verse of chapter 1. But did you ever think about this? That the whole chapter 1 of the book of Genesis, what is it talking about? It talks about the earth. What does the whole Bible talk about? It talks about what happens on the earth. But brothers and sisters, this thing that we say It's even half of the size of a virus on a quarter on this large um, whole continental United States. Insignificant. And um, if you think about it, for the purpose of our discussion this morning, let's just consider a, a grain of sand. Think about it. God's plan was that His eternal purpose would be carried out on this grain of sand. Brothers and sisters, if you think about the largeness of Christ, the largeness of the universe, almost incomprehensible, you know what the Bible is talking about? Was that God was, God is eternal. God is great. But He is not satisfied until His purpose is carried out. But what does His purpose have to do with? Now, so if He just worried about the size and, and um, just, just worried about how large things are, he would just need to create the heavens. But in God's plan, he decided to also create the earth. Why? Because in God's wisdom, he wanted earth to be a vessel to hold his glory, to hold his name, to reflect who he was. And uh, it's almost beyond comprehension. But if you read in Psalm chapter 8, Psalm chapter 8, the psalmist asks a very interesting question. It says, verse 3, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you take thought of him? And the Son of Man that you care for Him. And not just that. The verse before it says, From the mouth of infants and nursing babes, you have established strength because of your adversaries to make the enemy and revengeful cease. And then verse 9. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is Your name in all the earth. So brothers and sisters, this large Christ, this large God, desired to not just create man, 
but somehow through man that this earth would be a vessel to reflect who He is. So what am I talking about? What is it that um, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 talks about? Now, we all know that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. But what happened in verse 2? That, sir, the earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Now, according to Isaiah 45, God would not create something that was formless and void. So something happened here. I won't go into the details, but the earth was formless and void. This word was is the same word that was used when describing... Remember Lot's wife and uh, the angels as they were fleeing Sodom and Gomorrah said, don't look back. If you look back, you're going to... Um, it, it, something will happen to you. And then the Bible says, Lot's wife became a pillar of salt. That word became is the same word as the word was. So, this basically can explain that somehow the, war, the earth became formless and void and darkness was over the surface of the deep. And so, brothers and sisters, there was a rebellion in the universe when Lucifer rebelled against God. Something happened between billions of years ago and a few thousand years ago when God essentially started the work of salvation and the work of recovery. But brothers and sisters, what was it that God was doing? Now, if you think about the picture of the time, water was filling the earth. There was darkness over the surface of the earth. And there was this great universe that God created. But now the Lord was setting a stage for His purpose to be carried out. So what happened? What did God do? God said, let there be light. And there was light. So we know that on the first day, um, so on the first day, God said, let there be light and there was light. We don't have time to go into the details, but it's all in Genesis chapter 1. It would be interesting, it would be wonderful if you could go home and read it. What happened on day 2? The day 2, God separated the waters above the expanse and below the expanse. So what did what happened on day two? God created the atmosphere, the air, and God created the sea and the ocean and the lakes below. Separated the two. So there was um, sorry the the sea and the ocean below and the air above. So that was day two. Day one light. Day two air and water. Day three. He separated the land and the water, and the earth sprouted vegetation. And it gave forth vegetables with seed and trees with fruit. Okay, that was day three. Now, the first three days correspond to the latter three days. Day four, what happened? Then, in the day one, there was light, but as if it was a little abstract. Day and night was a little abstract. But on day four, what happened? It became a lot more concrete. And there you saw the sun, the moon, and the stars. And not only that, the Bible talks about the seasons. Now, when you talk about seasons, it starts to give you a little bit of a sense of time. Right? What, what are the four seasons? Winter. Okay, you start with the, the dreadful one. Okay, winter. Okay, so that's fine. Winter. So you have spring, summer, fall and winter, right? 
Now the leaves are starting to bloom here. You're starting to see the pollen coming out. Uh, the allergies are coming too as well. But anyway, you see, going through the season, you start to get a sense of time. But then what happened on day five? There were the birds of the air and the fish in the sea. Now, day two, you only saw the heavens. You saw the air, atmosphere, and you saw the oceans. But now, there was life in the air and life in the ocean. How about day six? Day six, you saw the animal, the cattle in the field, the creeping things. And then you saw man was created on day six, corresponding to day three, when there was vegetation on the ground and the earth was separated from the water. So, brothers and sisters, what do we see here? What was God's plan? God, we read a verse, that they may have life and have life abundant. Brothers and sisters, God created billion trillion stars. He calls them by name. He... Um, there's these wonderful uh, galaxies. They're beautiful to look at. But that was not God's purpose. God's purpose was that they may have life and have it abundantly. So you see, the first three days, as if they were preparing uh, environment for the latter three days, right? He was setting up an environment that there may be life. I already said, God's plan was that earth would be a vessel that would encapsulate who God was. But God is life. And so in order for him to express his life, he set up an environment for there to be life. Now, brothers and sisters, I am sure that you have studied in your science class, and hopefully I won't bore you this morning, but do you remember the process of photosynthesis? What is photosynthesis? You take light... You take water, you take carbon dioxide, and you take some vegetation. And then what does that plant do? The plant is able to take that, all of that and produce what? Oxygen and what else? Sugar, glucose, right? So brothers and sisters, this is the fundamental components for there to be life, right? So now, if you want this earth to be filled with life, you need the process of photosynthesis. So, brothers and sisters, what was the creation about? Day one, what did we have? Light. What did we have day two? Air. Water. And day three, we had vegetation. So, God created trees so that it would be able to start producing oxygen. Right? Not only produce oxygen, who needs oxygen to live? Animals, and fish, and birds, and humans. So, what did God do? God provided the MRS so that we could have oxygen, but not just oxygen, what else? Glucose, food, right? You need food to be able to, to grow, right? And you need oxygen to be able to convert that glucose that you eat into energy, Right? That's life. So, brothers and sisters, if you think about it, um, now, in, 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 on day three, the Lord not just talks about vegetation. It talks about vegetation, plants with seeds, and fruit. Now, what is fruit? 
fruits has seed in it, right? So, in order for you to be able to start to um, expand and grow and for there to be life on this earth, what needs to happen? Now, a tree is pretty static, right? The tree, okay, so you, so God creates a tree, it grows up, um, and then it may, it then um, uh, it has, uh, has fruits, maybe it falls to the ground, and then there may be some seeds that grow maybe like eight feet away, right? Because the wind blows it eight feet, 20 feet. But then, what did God do? God created vegetables as well as fruit for it to be eaten. So what would happen? So the bird would pick up an apple or pick up some, some fruit, fly far away, eat the fruit, and then the seed would drop into the ground, right? So now you see that life can start to expand and to grow horizontally. And as these plants grow horizontally, there would be more life. There would be more trees. There would be more fruit. But brothers and sisters, what did God say to the birds? And what did God say? Uh, I think we need to read. We'll just read um, a few verses. Um, Chapter 1, verse 20. Then God said, let the waters teem with swarms of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth in the open expanse of the heavens. And, uh, uh, okay, verse 22. God blessed him saying, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters and the seas and let the birds multiply on the earth. Okay? So not only that, um, uh, so then after God created man, it said, Verse 28, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So God's command to man was to be fruitful and multiply. Now, brothers and sisters, in order for man to be able to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth, there's got to be trees and plants and fruit all over this earth to provide the oxygen so that man could live, right? So if you think about it, so as the plants produce oxygen and glucose, now the animals that eat the plants, they will absorb the glucose, they will breathe the oxygen, the oxygen converts the glucose into energy and live and grow, right? So, but not only that, now, you see here, start to see a lot of some of the principles of life. Now, in order for there to be more life, now, a sign of a maturity for a tree is when they have fruit, right? So, that's a sign that the tree has grown up. So, you, you, you spend the time, I don't know if any one of you have ever grown a, uh, a fruit tree, orange or apple. It takes a long time, right, for it to... I've never done it before. I just read it in books. So um, anyway, I, I understand it takes a long time, right? So, so it's a process for it to grow up. But the what? But what, what wouldn't you say when that when that fruit tree satisfied its purpose in life is when it can produce a lot of fruit, right? And it talk when you talk about maturity is when that fruit can offer its life to others as well, right? So, brothers and sisters, when we think about fullness in the Bible, 
it refers to maturity. Not just maturity, but brothers and sisters, a sign of maturity is not that you have life, not that you just have it abundantly, but that you can pass on that life. Now, for a tree, it's so, but for us and for the animals, it's also the same case. Now, what's, what is a sign of a little girl growing up? So the little girl grows up in the home and she goes to school and then she, she studies. One day, she gets married. But when is the real sign of maturity? Now, when little girls are young, they're like little princesses, right? For your daddy and mommy, all you little girls are like little princesses, right? So... Uh, we spoil you. Okay, at least I spoil my kids. They might not think so, but I spoil my... my I have two daughters. I have a four-year-old and a 13-year-old, right? So, um, now I can tell you that in the morning, it's a, it's, it's a chore to try to wake them up, uh, you know, from, from bed to go to school. It's, it's hard, and they'll admit it. And, uh, uh, but it's, it's a real chore. But think about it. One day when this little girl grows up and... This little girl then gets married and has a little baby. Now, what happens? That little girl that used to wake up really late or have a hard time getting up, the moment she hears a cry, she gets up. Not just once, but every two hours. Anyway, just as for some of you that you may not know, they have to start getting up every two hours at night to be able to care for their little one. So, brother says, what's a sign of maturity? What's a sign of fullness? Is when that life grows up to be responsible. Now, I'm not calling my daughters irresponsible, but I'm saying when you grow up, you start to have more responsible responsibility, not just to give forth life, but also to bring that life up. Now, in order to do that, there is a sacrifice, right? They used to be able to sleep through the night, sleep for eight to ten hours a night, but now these moms are barely getting two hours of sleep a night. So tired. Recently, we had a sister that just had a baby, Stephanie. And um, I remember the first few weeks I saw her and I said, um, I, I could clearly see like she's got bags in her eyes. Her eyes are dark. And I was trying to be very polite. I said, how are you doing, sister? And you know she was having a rough time. But brothers and sisters, what is a, a, a sign of maturity? When that life grows up and is able to pass on that life. Remember the Lord Jesus said, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Brothers and sisters, now you start to see a lot of some of the principles of how life can grow, how can life be passed on. So, brothers and sisters, we see this wonderful, wonderful picture in the book of Genesis. God was preparing, as if the first three days, God was preparing the vessel, right? The jewelry box. And what was the jewelry? It was life. The, the, the day two, you only saw the air and you saw the water. But day five, now you saw the birds fill the air and the fish fill the ocean. Now that jewelry box is starting to display the jewelry. Same thing. On, 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 on the land, you only had uh, vegetation. You only had trees. But now, day six, you start to see animals. You start to see it be filled with life. And you start to see humans filled with life. 
Now, brothers and sisters, this earth is starting to fulfill its purpose. And what did God say? Be fruitful and multiply. But brothers and sisters, all of this life is a picture. Because ultimately, God's intent was not that there just be animal life and human life, but what God wanted there to happen was that His life would fill this earth. But how would that be? So, what did God arrange for? So, remember in the Garden of Eden? So, there were all those fruit trees where we talk about the fruit trees, right? You need to eat the fruit tree to grow physically. But then God provided two additional trees. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. Now, the tree of the knowledge of good, of e- uh, knowledge of good and evil. Now, I already talked about the physical trees is fruit for our bodies. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil is fruit, food for our souls. And the tree of life is the food for our spirits. Now, brothers and sisters, we are made up of spirit, soul, and body. Our spirits, God is, remember, God said, God is spirit. Those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. So our spirits is like a little radio, right? You guys probably don't know what a radio is. Um, Anyway, a radio is you can tune it to a certain frequency and then if it matches to the frequency of the sound waves being passed on and you amplify it, you hear music on the radio. So our spirits are like a radio that's tuned to, to God. Now, it was... So our spirit... So God gave us spirit so we could commune with Him. We can talk to Him. So we can worship Him. Okay? Now, our bodies... You know what the body does, right? We can sense the world, right? I can see all of you now. I can hear the sound of the air conditioning, right? And I can touch. I know that this is metal. The five senses, right? Smell. And later on, you'll all be hungry and you'll start smelling the food and you'll be excited, right? So this is how we interact with the physical world. And then our souls are what we use to know and interact with ourselves, Now, it's made up of our mind, will, and emotion, right? I think, therefore I am. So, you know, when you take your SATs and you're taking the test, you you can think, right? You say one plus two is three, and uh, so on and so forth, right? So, I think, therefore I am. You have uh, emotion. I love, I hate. Uh, You know, we should love our enemies and hate sin. Sometimes we do the opposite, right? We love sin and, and uh, hate our enemies. But anyway, so I digress again. But you see, I, I love, I hate, therefore I am. And then our will. I decide. I can say yes, I can say no. Brother Lucy said yesterday he decided to wear a green shirt, right? So I decided to wear a blue shirt today. So I can decide. Coffee or milk, right? In the morning. Cereal or whatever, right? So we have a will. So... Brothers and sisters, God's desire originally was... So, then God provided two trees. Tree of, the, of life and tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, if you think about it, the tree of life, it wasn't named anything else but the tree of life. What does that mean? That tree essentially was the source of life, where all life comes from. Now, one day our Lord Jesus said, I am the true vine. 
It wasn't. It didn't mean that because he said he's a true vine, everything else is fake. It talks about the fact that everything that was created in this world was patterned after him, who is a true vine. We'll explain a little bit later what that means. But brothers and sisters, that life is the highest form of life because it's the life of God himself. So brothers and sisters, what God ultimately, God only said, don't partake of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But what God really desired was that man would partake of the tree of life. So then, once he partook of that life, he would then know how to rule over the beasts of the field and the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky. He will learn to be a life, have a life of obedience, right? to live a dependent life. But what did our brother Lucy say yesterday? Instead of being filled with God and partaking of that tree of life, man partook of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. To emphasize the self. To emphasize me. He said to be filled with ourselves. What does it mean? I think, I love, I decide however I want. And I will live this life however I want. An independent life. So brothers and sisters, that's the difference between the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So from that day on, man declared its independence from God. So if you think about it, God's desire was that each man would be a vessel to hold him. Right? And then, as each vessel's held him in the highest place, highest esteem. And then, the, as, the earth, as they became fruitful and multiplied, you saw that there will be so many of these vessels. So, Luther talked about six vessels, right? But there will be millions and billions of these vessels that will be filled with him. As they obeyed God and filled the earth, the glory of God will, be, will fill the earth. So, in Psalm 8, it says... How majestic is your name in all the earth. But brothers and sisters, is the name of God majestic in all the earth today? You probably say no, right? Even here in the United States, if you proclaim to be a Christian, you will be persecuted in a little, a little bit now, right? A little bit. You'll see that. But brothers and sisters, the Lord's name is not majestic in all the earth. Why? Because men fell. Men decided to be filled with himself. My mind, my will, and emotion. Right? So, very tragic. So, God's desire was that the whole earth would be a reflection of heaven. As people multiplied on this earth, as Christ or God was the head of man, and the man would be the head of the woman or the head of the family, all of those families would be godly families would start to reflect who God was. To be filled with Him. The whole earth would be filled with the glory of God. Because God desired to dwell amongst men. That was God's plan from the beginning. As large as our brother Dana painted Christ to be, as large as we started to get a little bit of a glimpse of the size of the universe, God's desire was that He would be able to dwell in each one of us. And then, by... Because He is so big and so large, it would take all of mankind added together to be able to fully reflect the glory of God. So that was God's plan. But brothers and sisters, what happened? Unfortunately, man took of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And man fell in sin and declared his independence. So what happened on this earth? Now, we know that 
things started to get worse, right? You know, what did Cain do to Abel? He killed his brother, right? And then so many things started to happen, right? Remember the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. God had to judge Sodom and Gomorrah because it was full of sin. Remember, during the time of Noah, what did God do? He had to send a flood because there was so much evil on the ground. And so, brothers and sisters, um, uh, I, I assume you've always heard about the story of Daniel. Remember Daniel? And um, he, ha- he was uh, one who interpreted dreams. And remember King Nebuchadnezzar? He had a dream. He had a dream of a, a huge statue. The head was of gold. The, the, the arms and uh, uh, breasts were of silver. And the belly and thigh was of bronze. And the legs were of iron. And the feet were half iron, half, half clay. Now, Daniel explained to King Nebuchadnezzar that Nebuchadnezzar was the head, which was the Babylonian Empire. So, throughout history, you had the Babylonian Empire, and then you had the Medo-Persian Empire, and then, which is the silver, and then the, the, the belly and thighs of bronze, which represented the, um, the, the Greek Empire, and the iron legs, uh, which are the Eastern and Western Roman Empire. So, there are two legs. Anyway, I digress again. Anyway, but the, the point of this is this, brothers and sisters. You saw this huge statue, but what happened in the end? Then there was a huge rock that struck at the foot of that statue and it all came crumbling down. And that huge stone became an eternal kingdom. Brothers and sisters, on the outside... You see the glory of the kingdom of man, right? Nebuchadnezzar was gold, silver, um, bronze, and iron. Well, you know, the reason why uh, the, the Persians used silver as a way to exchange money. Um, the Greeks used bronze as a shield. And then eventually the Romans used iron. Anyway, I digress again. But the point is this. You see, from the outside, man thinks they're glorious, But in Daniel chapter 7, you start, see Daniel explain the reality of these kingdoms. And what did Daniel see? That these were not for gold, silver, bronze, and iron, but they were beasts. They were beasts. The head, the lion, the bear, the leopard, and the, the final beast is a ferocious beast, right? But brothers and sisters, at the heart of it, what men did by living an independent life was bring misery to this world. So now the world's had two world wars, right? Um, you saw man has witnessed Hitler who killed six million Jews. Brothers and sisters, think about apart from what God originally intended to be, what state man has gotten to. So brothers and sisters, clearly the earth is no reflection, is no vessel It cannot be filled with God, right? So what did God do? God started the work of recovery. God never changed His plans. So what did God do? Remember, uh, God called Abraham out of the Ur of Chaldea. Now, Abraham and his family, they they worshipped idols, right? So at that time, there were like 2,000 types of idols. Definitely came out from a very dark place. Now, doesn't it remind you of Genesis chapter 1, verse 2? Darkness filled the earth. But God was calling Abraham out of a dark place. And then what did God promise Abraham? Promised him 
that he would give him a piece of land. Now, if you think about it, the whole earth now as if it was lost to the enemy, right? But God's plan in calling Abraham, then what? who was Abraham's son? Isaac. Who was Isaac's son? Jacob. Now, what was Jacob's other name? Israel, right? So how many sons did Israel, Jacob have? Twelve. So then you get the son, twelve sons of Israel, right? So now God was calling a family, calling a people. But where did God bring them from Egypt? Where did they have to go to? Canaan, which was the promised land, right? Why? Because God ultimately still wanted His original plan to dwell amongst men. He wanted man to be a vessel for Him, to fill man. But now, because man sinned, God had a lot of, a lot of criteria, right? He introduced what? The Ten Commandments? Because He had to tell them what His standard was. He had to give them sacrifices, right? Without sacrifice, there is no remission of sins. So, brothers and sisters, so now God created this order. But not only that, God arranged it for that, on this piece of land, the land of Canaan, do you remember what was it called? What was land of Canaan called? Land flowing with what? Milk and honey. Now, what is milk and what is honey? Now, honey is the essence of vegetable life. Right? It's the best of the best. And milk is the essence of animal life. So if you add the two, you get the essence of life. Now, if you go to Israel today, it's a very interesting place. To the south, you have the desert. And to the north, it's very green. Okay? Now, it's all kind of um, sustained by the River Jordan. But anyway, to the south is where um, all the Bedouins or the people like Abraham and Isaac lived. And that's why they needed to dug wells, right? Because, dig wells, because it's, it's, um, it's desert. But this is where they keep all the sheep and the cattle. So there you have the land flowing with milk. To the north is where they do all of the plantations, all the agriculture, the essence of vegetable life. Land flowing with milk and honey. So anyway, so you see... But what is the land of Canaan then? It's the land of the essence of life. If you add the essence of animal life and plant life, you get essence of life. God's plan was that in this piece of land, if not the whole earth, at least there's a people after his own heart, a people that's interested for him to dwell in their midst. So what did God provide? Remember God provided the tabernacle, right? And uh, remember, do you guys know what the tabernacle is? The tent... The, the tabernacle is where the presence of God was. There was the Ark of the Covenant and between the wings of the cherubim, God would, would, um, would, uh, would, would, uh, would present Himself amongst the people. So, brothers and sisters, uh, but of course, the people of Israel failed God miserably, right? So, anyway, so the whole Old Testament is essentially about God re- recovering His work. But what happened to the people of Israel? They still failed God, right? But God's plan never changed. So, um, so is it hopeless? It kind of looks hopeless, right? But God's plan never fails. So, brothers and sisters, what did God do in the New Testament? So, our brother Dana read this verse in John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. 
Now, who is that word referring to? Sunday school answer? Jesus. Yes. Okay. He was in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. But what, what, what do you read in John chapter 1 verse 14? And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw His glory. Glory is of the only begotten from the Father, Father, full of grace and truth. Okay. Why don't we do this? Can you all of us stand up? Stand up. Sorry, I'll give you a little break. Maybe just stretch for uh, two minutes. I know I've said a lot. Okay, you can sit down now. All right. So, brothers and sisters, so as if God's plan failed, but that was not the end. God did His work of recovery. So what did we read in John chapter 1, verse 14? And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. Now the God of creation now came to dwell in the midst of man. But He not just came, He came to recover what God, what was lost in the Garden of Eden, what was lost in the book of Genesis. So what do we read, brothers and sisters, in verse 4? In John chapter 1, verse 4. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Brothers and sisters, remember in Genesis chapter 1, God said, let there be light, and there was light. But brothers and sisters, now it says, in Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Now God said, let there be light again. This time around, Jesus is the light. Right? Jesus said, I am the light of the world. So, brothers and sisters, we were in darkness. But now through Him, we can see. But the difference is, let there be light in Genesis chapter 1 was the light from the sun. But brothers and sisters, in the book of Malachi, it says our Lord Jesus is the Son of Righteousness. But now... That light of the sun is inorganic light, right? It's a lot of nuclear reactions and big explosions. That's how you get the light. But brothers and sisters, John chapter 1 and verse 4 says, In Him was life, and that life was the light of man. Now that light is organic light. Now, uh, you know, it's in, in scientific it's called bioluminescence. Okay? So, you know like how during summertime, sometimes you see these fireflies and they give off light? That is bioluminescence. If you go to New Zealand, they have these caves where you can take a boat and go through. They have what are called glowworms. And then they line up the top of these caves and, because, and then start to give off this greenish-blue light. And you see, you look up there, is like stars, right? 
Brunze is that's a light that comes out of life. So, Brunze, now you see the light as if now in this new creation you see something different, right? So, in him was light. But not only that, brothers and sisters, in John chapter 3, there's a story of the Lord Jesus interacting with Nicodemus. We all know this story very well. He said, truly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. And then Nicodemus is like, how can this be? How can I be born again? And then the Lord Jesus says, Are you the teacher and you do not know this? And he says, um, uh, um, in verse... Uh, oh. Okay, verse 8. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but do not know where it comes from and where it is going. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Brothers and sisters, the word wind in the Greek is the word pneuma, P-N-E-U-M-A. You know the word pneumonia is when you get infection of your lungs, right? So, pneuma, it means breath, is the same word as the word spirit in the, word, uh, in, in the Greek. So, here it says, the pneuma blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it but do not know where it comes from and where it is going, so is everyone who is born of the pneuma. So, brothers and sisters, air and the Spirit are the same word in the New Testament. So, brothers and sisters, now the Lord Jesus is saying, you must be born again. And Nicodemus, how can I go into my mother's womb and be born? The Lord Jesus said, no, no. You have to be born of the Spirit. Now, brothers and sisters, when we were born from the mother's womb, what happened when we were born? The first thing that happens is, the first thing that doctors are concerned, once you come out of your mother, is that what? You're able to what? Cry. Why? Because when you cry, you suck in the air and you start to breathe. Right? So, my mom told me that when I was born, the doctor just turned me upside down and spanked me. And then I started crying. And then there was life. And I was born. But brothers and sisters, remember when God created Adam? What did God do? The Bible says He formed them out of the dust and breathed into His nostrils. And He became a living soul. So brothers and sisters, John chapter 20. Let's read John chapter 20. And verse 22. This is after the Lord had risen from the dead. And when He had said this, He breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. So brothers and sisters, just like our physical life, we needed to take in that breath by crying. Here the Lord Jesus is saying, He breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Brothers and sisters, the disciples were born again. They received the Holy Spirit because they received the breath of spiritual life. So now you see that um, we need to be born again. So brothers and sisters, when we accept the Lord Jesus as our Savior, 
we receive the breath of life. Brothers and sisters, have you ever thought about this? You know, Dana talked about being dunked into the ocean, right? That's being filled by the Lord. But did you ever think about um, this, the, the atmosphere that we live in? This whole atmosphere is full of air. So, you know this concept in the New Testament talks about in Christ and Christ in us. In Christ just means that we're in the atmosphere. But when we take in Him, He is in us, in Christ. So, the air is in my lungs, but the air is also outside of me. So, very kind of an interesting way to think about it. But brothers and sisters, we need to be able to breathe. So, if you think about it, just as you need oxygen to have energy for your life. Now, I don't know if you ever climbed up a mountain in a very high place, but uh, my daughter and I, my daughter Bethany and I, we went to uh, Switzerland one time and we took a train to this real high mountain. And it's very interesting. After a certain point, there is no life because oxygen is very thin. But I remember coming off of that train and I felt like everything was a little bit... Um, everything was a little wobbly for me because every time I would walk, my leg would start to be sore. Like, you know, I just ran a, ran like a mile. Right? For me, a mile is a lot, a lot. But like I, after I run a mile and my legs are so tired and I could barely walk because the oxygen was so thin. And uh, Bethany handled it even worse. I had to carry her basically the whole time because she was about to pass out. Because you need oxygen to convert that glucose into energy. If you don't have enough of it, you don't have enough energy. But brothers and sisters, this should remind us, just as we breathe the air, if we want to have energy spiritually, we need to breathe in the Holy Spirit. He needs to be our breath of life. Every day, we need to depend on Him. So if you feel really weak spiritually, it's probably because you're not walking in the Spirit. It's probably because you're not breathing Him in. And you're having a lot of other things get in the way. And you're weak, and you could even pass out, and you could even die spiritually. So brothers and sisters, very important, the air. But not only that, it doesn't stop there. John chapter 4 is the story of the Samaritan woman. The Samaritan woman came to draw water from the well. And the Lord Jesus purposely came to meet that Samaritan woman. Remember what, what did the Lord Jesus tell the Samaritan woman? If you drink of the water, if you drink of this water, you will thirst again. But if you drink of the water that I shall give you, you shall never thirst. But not only that, but the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water spring up to eternal life. Brothers and sisters, this woman was thirsty. And I told you, it gets really hot because there's a lot of desert in Israel. It gets really hot and you need to drink water. But she needed to come back and draw water again and again and again because she was thirsty again and again and again. And at one point, the Lord Jesus said, go call your husband. She says, I have no husband. And the Lord said to her, well, you, are right, you rightly said you have no husband because you already had five husbands. And the one whom you're with now is not your husband. So, brothers and sisters, what was the woman trying to do? She was trying to satisfy the thirst of her soul by having one husband, two husbands, 
three husbands, four husbands, five husbands. And they couldn't satisfy her. Brothers and sisters, isn't that the case even for us? Now, you think, oh wow, if I play Candy Crush, I just need to get to level 500 and I'll be done. I can guarantee you, after you get to 500, you're going to try to break 501. I think I was talking to somebody and they were like on level 1200 or something. Something crazy. And brothers, isn't that the story of our life? We, when, when we uh, finally, you know, place into some really good high school in New York City, I don't know, Stuyvesant or, or Bronx Science or some other ones. Sorry, I didn't name all of them. I, sorry if I offended you. But anyway, so you finally get into high school and then you're like, oh, wow, great. I'm now in this great high school. And then you realize they're like 20 other people smarter than me. Oh, I got to work hard. So I start work hard, working hard, working hard. I need to take the SATs, get a really good score. And then I need to get into a good university. Finally, you apply, you get into school, you, you start studying. You realize there are another 30 people smarter than you. So you got to work really hard. And you work really hard to get into a good school. And after you graduate, now I need a good GPA so that I can get a good job. So you finally um, apply to, you know, you send out 200 resumes, you get 10 interviews, and you finally get two job offers. And you're like, oh, so excited. And then you give your first month's salary check to your parents. And then, uh, did you hear that, Bethany? Anyway, so, uh, so you see, you're like, okay, I've made it. But now you start working like, oh man, I am like at the bottom of the totem pole in this company. I'm just an analyst. And then you're like, oh, I got to work hard. I need to become a manager. Once you become a manager, you want to be a director. And then once you want to be a director, you want to be a vice president. And then so on and so forth. And uh, so nothing seems to ever satisfy us. Now, you always thought, hey, well, you know, I finally got my first job. I'm able to get my first Toyota Corolla. After you drive it for a couple of years, they're like, oh, Toyota Corolla, it's just a Toyota. I need to get a BMW like Kevin. And so you go out and you get a BMW, right? And then it's like, oh, one is not enough. I need to get an SUV. And then you're like, Say, you know, think about it. You, you're able to finally live in an apartment. You're able to pay the rent. And then like, oh, that's not good enough. I need to buy a big house with a picket fence with two car garage. Now I think it's three car garages, to, you know. And uh, two and a half kids and so on and so forth, right? <laughs> so, the, the American dream, you finally attain it. But there's this emptiness inside. So, brothers and sisters, this is what that woman was going. The Lord said, you're after five husbands is still not enough for you. Why? Because the Lord Jesus is trying to explain to this woman that inside of you, I've created a well, which is our spirit. And this well was designed to fill God himself. You've tried to use a lot of other things to fill it. You know, you've tried to use video games. You've tried to use, you know, music, you know, uh, being popular on YouTube or Instagram or whatever it is. You thought that that was going to make you happy. You thought by, you know, buying the latest Air Jordans or, you know, watching Golden State Warriors is going to make you happy. After they won once, you know, this is a true story. There was an interview with Kevin Durant. You know, he's on the Golden State Warriors. And he said, after I won my first time, I thought I was going to be so happy and excited. I somehow felt, hmm, something was missing. Ah, 
So that's why he came back and won the second time. And now it's not about how, you know, winning, just winning, but it's like how many times you can win, right? You got to beat Michael Jordan and win more than six to be happy. But this is just this concept, there's this idea because there's this craving, there's this thirsty in our soul. Because when God created us, all of us, our soul, this container, this water pot was designed to fill with God Himself. But if we try to use other things, as big as the world is, and we try to fill that, that well, we will never be satisfied. But what did the Lord say? But the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. Now, remember the story yesterday that Lucio talked about? You know how Solomon talked about vanity of vanities? And then, uh, then there was a song of song right next to each other. Now, in Israel, there's a place called En Gedi. En stands for spring. Now, if you go to Israel, there's the Dead Sea, right? And have you ever heard of the Dead Sea? It's 400 meters below sea level, meaning all the, everything goes into it. Water goes into it. All the mud and all of that from, you know, flowing from the upstream of the Jordan River comes to the Dead Sea. Now, the Dead Sea has such a high salt content because everything just flows in, nothing flows out. It's Dead Sea. There is no fish because it's dead. It's really dead. Now, but right next to it, there's a place called En Gedi. And you can see the Dead Sea right in front of you. And that's a picture of what Solomon painted. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. But you know, in the Song of Solomon, there it talks about the vineyards of En Gedi, which is right next to it. And then, not only that, chapter 8, it talks about the Spices Mountain. There's a mountain right next to En Gedi where Solomon took a bunch of the seeds that Queen of Sheba, remember Queen of Sheba? She brought a bunch of seeds for things like myrrh and frankincense and uh, flowers and planted on this mountain. And you would think, wow, how can there be vineyards? How can there be um, this, this mountain of spices? Brothers and sisters, the reason is because underneath and getting, there are springs of water, springs of living water. Even though right next in front of him is the Dead Sea. But now, because of these springs, you can have vineyards, you can have life, you can have the spices. Now, you can have this beautiful story of the Song of Solomon. Brothers and sisters, this is the same thing. For us, we're just like the Dead Sea, filled with dead stuff, dead water, no life. But because of this new water that the Lord gives us, there can be life and life overflowing. You see death and you see resurrection. The principle of death and resurrection. So, brothers and sisters, now the Lord said, I am going to be your water. But not only that, later on, John chapter 15, the Lord says, I am the true vine. Right? And I said, it's not that all the other vines are fake, but He, um, He's the true vine, meaning that all the vines are created after Him. Now, our brother talked about the story in Cain of Galilee yesterday, how the Lord turned water into wine, right? So the Lord just touched it and they filled the water with, with water and then it became wine. But brothers and sisters, when the Lord says, I am the true vine, what does the vine do? The vine takes water from the air, right? And water from the ground, processes it. And now we talked about this, right? Produces glucose and then there's flowers and there's fruits. And then finally, the grapes mature. And then what happens? You take the grapes, 
You put it through a wine press. In the old days, they would just stomp on the grapes and the, the juice would flow. And then you ferment it and it became wine. The whole process would take six months. But what did the Lord Jesus do in Cana of Galilee? He used that process that normally would take six months and he made it happen in a nanosecond. From water into wine. Right away. You see how he is the true vine? He is the true vine, brothers and sisters. But now, he is the vine. So, brothers and sisters, now you, what did he say? Jesus, in him was life. And it was what? Light, air, water. He's the true water. And he's the true vine. Brothers and sisters, our Lord Jesus is providing an environment for life. Spiritual life. In Genesis chapter 1, we had photosynthesis. But in John, in the whole Gospel of John, you see the true photosynthesis for our spiritual life. You get it? You see that? We need to be born again. We need to be born of above. But now, this life needs to grow up. Now the Lord is providing an environment for us to grow up. For us to be filled with Him. So He's giving us that oxygen. He's giving us the food. So what did the Lord Jesus I am the bread of life. Remember, he said that you have to eat of me. You have to drink of me. If you eat of me, you will no, no longer hunger. If you eat of me, you will no longer thirst. Brothers and sisters, remember the Lord said, if a grain of wheat falls, if a grain of wheat is by itself, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Did you ever think about how the bread is made? You know, bread comes from flour, right? What happens? The grain of wheat needs to go through crushing and and uh, sifting for you to get the flour, right? So, after the flour, you put it in, mix it with water and oil, you bake it, you have bread. So, brothers and sisters, every Lord's Day when we come and we take of that bread, we should think about what is it that the Lord Jesus did? He could have saved himself, but he didn't. For your sake and my sake, he was willing to die. And out of his death came forth much fruit. Out of his death came forth the bread. What is the wine? We said um, it is when the grape is crushed and can become that wine for us. So, brothers and sisters, on the Mount of Transfiguration, what happened? God said, this is my beloved son. He was able to fully satisfy the father. He was like a mature grape. But what did the Bible say? He set his face towards Jerusalem. He was willing to be crushed. And and on the cross, he died for us. What did John say? Out of his side came forth water and blood. Water speaks of life. Blood speaks of forgiveness. So out of his forth came forth blood. So brothers and sisters, every Lord's Day when we partake of the bread and the cup, we think of the work of the cross. That blood, because of his sacrifice, we can rejoice, right? Every time we come and worship Him, even during this weekend conference, it's a wonderful time when we can worship Him because He has made the way, because He was crushed for our iniquities. Anyway, so now, brothers and sisters, you see, you see the true, you see the true photosynthesis. Now the Lord has given us all the environment for us to be able to grow up. Now, brothers and sisters, when we talk about the fullness of God, the the largeness of Christ. Dana mentioned it yesterday. It's as if it was unattainable. But brothers and sisters, as large as the Lord is, think about it. 
What is man that you take thought of him? He is interested in every single one of us seated here. He is also interested that you become his vessel. And then he has put a treasure in each one of us. Because we're born again. We have his life. His life is like a treasure in us. But that life needs to grow up. So brothers and sisters, what is fullness? All fullness is, is an abundance of life. Not that there just be life, but that there may be fruit. So brothers and sisters, we all love to live for ourselves. But brothers and sisters, one day we will grow up where we can start to help other brothers and sisters. As they are going through a difficulty, you can share the life of Christ with them. It is as if they can partake of the fruit of the life that is in you. So brothers and sisters, now you start to see. Now, what is the church? Brothers and sisters, the church is all the born-again believers. Now, God's original plan was the whole world to be a vessel for Him, to encapsulate Him. But unfortunately, most of this world has fallen. But what is the church? We are the called out ones. So for us sitting in this room and the other brothers and sisters in our fellowships, the Lord has allowed us to be born again. Now we have His life in us. Hopefully, at least within His church on this earth, there can be someone that contains Him and represents who He is. So, one day, the fullness of God will fill His whole church. And uh, you, can, you know that that is true. Because in Revelation chapter 21, okay? I'll, uh, let's, let's go there. Remember how God wanted to dwell amongst His people? In Revelation chapter 21 and verse 2, And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from before the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and He will dwell among them, and they shall be His people, and God Himself will be among them. And then um, in verse 10, And He carried me away in the Spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. Her brilliance was like a very costly stone, as a stone of crystal clear jasper. It had a great and high wall with twelve gates, twelve angels, and names were written on them. Um, And then um, verse 16, The city is laid out as a square, and its length is as great as its width. And he measured the city with a rod, 1,500 miles. Its length and width and height are equal. All 1,500 miles. Brothers and sisters, what did Dana talk about yesterday? The depth, the width, the height. Sorry, the depth, the height. So, B-L-H-C. The breadth, the length, the height, and the depth. Brothers and sisters, you see, verse 16 talks about the city is laid out, uh, the length or the breadth is the same as its width, is the same as its height. And then what does the Bible talk about? Verse 19, the foundation stones of the city wall were adorned with every kind of precious stone. And there were 12 of them. And then there were 12 foundations. You see the depth. Brothers and sisters, this is a representation of the church. Now, what is the New Jerusalem? It's a big city, 1,500 miles. Essentially, it's from here all the way to Denver, okay? 
That's pretty big, okay? But it's 1,500 miles wide, 15 miles depth, deep, 1,500 miles high. But brothers and sisters, the wonderful thing is God is in their midst. In verse 22, I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God the Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. And the city has no need of the sun or of the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God has illumined it. And its lamp is the Lamb. Brothers and sisters, the whole New Jerusalem is like a huge lampstand. A huge vessel bearing the treasure in it, which was God and the Lamb. So, brothers and sisters, this was God's plan from the beginning. But the wonderful thing is, the whole city is transparent. It speaks about the work that the Lord is doing. Now, I don't have time to go into this, but there are three materials in the New Jerusalem. The, the pearl, the precious stone, and uh, gold. Gold, pearl, and precious stone. Now, you know, if you think about the diamond or precious stones, if you put enough heat, enough pressure, even for something like carbon, which is very brittle, can become something very hard. I don't have time to go into it, but brothers and sisters, as a process of growth, the DNA in that life is that one day it will have the character of Christ. In Galatians chapter 5.22, and I think we all know this very well. Remember we talked about fruits, brothers and sisters? Verse 22, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness gentleness, self-control. And then later on it talks about the manifestation, uh, earlier it talks about the manifestations of the flesh, right? Verse 19, the deeds of the flesh are evident. Immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, etc., etc. Long story short, brothers and sisters, God's desire is that His life may increase in us and our life may decrease. But His life has certain characteristics which are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. But because He is so vast, it's going to take the whole body to be able to manifest this. So one day, as you start to grow up, brothers and sisters, you may be very young now, but give it the right environment. The Lord has provided it. He's the water. He's the air. He's the, he's the tree. He's the bread. But if you allow this life to grow up, one day... This DNA is going to produce love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. And then it's going to be transparent. It's going to be, allow you to bear that light. It's no longer going to be brittle, but it's going to be strong and hard. So, let the Lord, it's going to take you a lifetime for you to see that. But brothers and sisters, you see the ultimate end is wonderful. But in the end, God is going to receive that vessel to bear Him up. Okay? But brothers and sisters, this is going to be a long process. So, in order to help us, as we are young, and we have a lot to learn, so if we could just um, pass these around, pass them around. Um, each one take one. It's like a bookmark. I, I figure that this week we've been getting a lot of these uh, handouts. Can you... Uh, take one and pass pass it around. Actually, could I get one? <laughs> um, one that someone doesn't have. Uh, where's it going? Okay. 
So as you're as you're getting this card, but basically it has the ABCs for growth. Now, brothers and sisters, we all have this treasure in us. But as Nicodemus found out, when we are born, we're just little babes, right? So, so Paul tells us that we have to grow up. Now, how do we grow up? I just put some tips here. It says ABCs for growth, right? So, um, real quick. Abide, breathe, communicate, drink, discipline, eat, follow, flee, grow, okay? There's some duplicate, uh, so double use of the letters, so um, bear with me on that. But brothers and sisters, this is just kind of to help us. Now, we already talked about breathe, right? Now, in Galatians 5, 16, it says to walk in the Spirit. So remember, we talked about taking the Holy Spirit in. Now, remember the process of um, respiration is that oxygen comes in, we turn into energy, and then we blow out what? carbon dioxide, right? So in the same way, Galatians 5.16 talks about taking the Holy Spirit in and expel the desire of the flesh. So 5.16, since we're there. But I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. So as we breathe, we take Him in and uh, breathe this, uh, and expel the desire of the flesh. Drink. We already talked about the story of the Samaritan woman, Right? If we drink of Him, we will never thirst. You know, let's stop trying to use other things to fill the Lord's place. Our studies, you know, uh, PS4, whatever it is that you like, music, or boys or girls. Think, You know, people always think that, hey, once I get married, I'll be happy. And, I, you know, that's not always the case. It's the case with me, but <laughs> not always the case. Anyway, so... Oh, I saved myself. Uh, so, so we have to drink. We talked about eat daily bread. Now, in Matthew chapter four, verse four, it says, "Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God." I think this is very important. Um, when we read the word, it, the 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 word in the New Testament has two words. One is logos, and one is rhema. Logos is the objective word of God. But rhema is when the Holy Spirit takes the objective word and speaks it to us personally. Now remember, in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, there was a prophecy that said, uh, there will be a virgin with child, right? So all the women uh, in, in Israel, they always had this hope that maybe one day I will be the mother of the Messiah because there was this prophecy in Isaiah 7, 14. But it wasn't until Luke chapter 1 when the, when the angel told Mary, you will conceive. Now, Mary had read this word all along and it was an objective word. But that day, that word became something very subjective and personal to Mary. And what did Mary say? Mary said, be it done according to your rhema. Rhema in the original is the living word where the Lord speaks to you again. Um, I always tell the story, but I'll tell it one more time. Um, so there was this, this story of a sister who was afraid of the dark. And um, she used to put a Bible underneath her pillow so she could go to sleep. But she thought, well, I'm a Christian. I really shouldn't be doing that, right? Um, and so one day she was reading the Bible 
And she came upon this phrase, do not fear. And she's like, wow, there's a phrase, do not fear. And that really spoke to her. And then she looked up in a concordance to see how many times does the phrase, do not fear, appear. And it appears 365 times. So she was like, wow, there's 365 do not fears in the Bible. One for each day of my life. From that day on, she was able to take the Bible from under her pillow and, sl- and turn off the light and sleep peacefully. Brothers and sisters, that's the living word. Every morning, just like the people of Israel, they come and collect the living bread, the manna from heaven. Every morning, we have to go before the Lord. Lord, do you have a living personal word for me? I'll just tell you one more thing. When I was um, considering whether to marry my wife, and I was asking for the Lord's will. He gave me a very specific verse in Isaiah thirty twenty one. He said, this is the way walking. I wasn't sure. And neither was she. But this is a word that he gave me. Isaiah thirty twenty one. This is the way walking in it. Interesting enough, I called my wife. I said, hey, look, I, we were praying about it. And I said, I, I, I found this verse that the word gave me and spoke to me personally. She said, well, it's quite amazing because Lance Lambert um, was speaking at a conference in Taiwan at the time and the theme of that conference was Isaiah 30, 29. This is the way walk in it. So we were sure of the Lord's will. So brothers and sisters, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds. God is huge, but he's very interested in the little bits of your life and he knows what you need. But we need to... Uh, Eat of him every day. Daily bread. Okay? Now, um, <clears throat> so I don't have time to go through each one of them. But abide. Abide in him, we said. The Lord said, if you abide in me, you will bear fruit. But if you do not abide in me, you will not be able to bear fruit. So we have to anchor our life in him. Communicate. First Thessalonians 5.17 says, Pray without ceasing. We need to... Share with him our hearts, our concerns. And then, our brother mentioned yesterday, Colossians 3.16. We need to read his word for the Lord to speak back to us. Discipline. 1 Timothy 4.8. Now, uh, Noah, can you come up here? Okay. Basically, Paul was telling Timothy that exercise is good. So when you exercise a lot, you become like Noah. Right? (laughs) And this, as I understand, it's an hour and a half each day of working out. Okay? So you have to eat while you have to work, work out. But, okay, thank you. Thank you, Noah. But 1 Timothy 4.8, it says, uh, why don't we read there? Uh, I think it's important. It says, For bodily discipline is only of little profit. It's of some profit. You become like Noah. But godliness is profitable for all things since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. So you know how working out is the big thing now? You have to you know, get muscles. You have to eat healthy. Well, that is of little profit. But of even greater profit is if you work out spiritually. Godliness is profitable for all things. Promise for the present life and also the life to come. Follow. The Lord Jesus says, let him, anyone who comes after me, let him take up his cross daily. And follow me. So let's follow the Lord Jesus like the disciples did. Sometimes it may be difficult, but it's worth it. And then 2 Timothy 2.22. 2 
Okay? Now flee from youthful lusts and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Brothers and sisters, especially as we're teenagers, as we're going through um, um, some physical changes, the word that Paul told Timothy is to flee from youthful lust. Ask the Lord to help us to be able to flee from youthful lust. We should live a holy life. Okay? So keep our bodies pure for the Lord. Okay? Preserve ourselves for that special someone that Lord is designing for you. And um, we don't have time to talk about it, but the Lord has someone designed for you. So keep yourselves pure. And then James 4, 7. Now, flee is two directions. One is you flee from lusts, but James 4, 7, it says, Submit therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So there is this um, saying that you can prevent, you can't prevent the bird from flying over your head, but you can prevent it from making a nest on your head. It's kind of an extreme example. But what it tells us is this. The enemy is going to shoot darts at us. He's going to tempt us. Maybe something we see on the internet or maybe something uh, we hear. And he's going to tempt us to sin. Now, it's not that first look that's a sin. It's a second look. Because then sin is conceived in our hearts. Because you want to make it your own. right? So it's okay if you see it. Because when you see it, what did James say? Resist the devil. He said, go away, Satan. I don't want that thought. He will flee from you. Okay? But, if you take it and make it your own, then you have sin. But thank the Lord, in 1 John it tells us, if we do sin, we can confess to the Lord and He is faithful to forgive us. Brothers and sisters, the one thing a lot of young people deal with is guilt. Now, the Lord Jesus, He is faithful to forgive. He's faithful to forgive. His blood is efficacious. Now, Martin Luther one time was accused by Satan. Satan gave him a, a, showed him a vision where had all the sins that um, Martin Luther ever committed. You know what Martin Luther did? He took a red ink pen and wrote over it and said, forgiven by the blood of Jesus. I'm paraphrasing, but something to that effect. So, brothers and sisters, let us flee from youthful lusts. And we need to Resist the devil. Say, I don't want that thought. Right? And he will flee. But if we do sin, the blood of Jesus is, is effect, efficacious. We can confess the Lord. Lord, I sin against you. Lord, and his blood is, and he will forgive us because of the blood. Okay? But flee. Live a holy life. And then finally, we can grow up in him who is the head. So ABCs for growth. Maybe you can keep it in your Bible. But brothers, these are daily lessons that we can learn. Now, one day we may understand more of the fullness of God. But God's plan is, hope is that our life may start to grow up and may bear fruit. And not just bear fruit, we may impart that life. We may be like that grain of seed that falls to the ground and dies and then bear more life. So then finally one day this whole earth can finally reflect heaven and can be the right vessel for God. So anyway... Um, uh, may we get bow with a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you for this time. Lord, we um, forgive us for the limitation of the words of man. But we pray 
that you, Holy Spirit, may speak to each one of us in each, in each of our ages in, with, um, as we have each of our own capacities. Lord, we pray that you may do a work in each one of us, that your life may grow in us, that we may be a vessel that can be filled with you. And Lord, one day your purpose can be fulfilled. Lord, we thank you for this time, we pray in Jesus' precious name.